My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Thursday the 29th of September. I'm Zara. I'm Billy. About 10 million Aussies got a nasty surprise in the middle of their public holiday last week when Optus announced they'd been the victim of a massive cyber attack targeting their customers' personal information. Sensitive info like driver's licence numbers, phone numbers and physical addresses had been leaked. We'll get into what has happened in the week since, because boy, has there been a lot, and what you can do if your data has been compromised. First, Billy, take us through the headlines. Treasurer Jim Chalmers has said that the government is under no illusions about the impact that reinstating the fuel excise will have. The excise returned today after the previous coalition government cut the tax for six months to address rising cost of living. The controversial cashless debit card has officially been scrapped after legislation to abolish the program passed both Houses of Parliament. Over 17,000 Australians will be taken off the card next week. It was first introduced back in 2016. Cuba has experienced a complete blackout after Hurricane Ian swept through the country. Over 11 million people were left in the dark from the storm, which has held wind speeds of up to 195 kilometres per hour. It is now set to hit Florida, with Americans bracing for extreme winds, flooding and tidal surges. And some good news for your Thursday. The Australian Opals have finished atop Group B of the Women's Basketball World Cup and have set up a quarterfinal clash with Belgium tonight. The Opals finished group play with four consecutive wins after losing to France in their opening game. The Opals could be looking at a potential gold medal match against the top-ranked US on Saturday. Okay, so Billy, it turns out that once upon a time, I was an Optus customer. I had completely forgotten all about it uh, until I woke up yesterday morning to an email from them telling me that some of my data was now floating around on the World Wide Web. That is happening to a lot of people. I think I must be one of the only people in Australia who has never been an Optus customer. Do you feel left out now? I feel thankful. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Given this past week of news. But so you said that you're a former customer. This has mostly affected current customers, as I'm sure that you can imagine. So what we know is that over 10 million Aussies are Optus customers, which is actually quite a lot when you consider there's about 26 million Australians. And almost all of them have had some of their data exposed from the information that we know so far. So it won't be a surprise that that makes this one of the biggest hacks in Australian history. It is a story that somehow gets worse at every turn. Uh, What do we know about how the hack occurred? Because as you said, it happened, or at least we found out about it on a public holiday. Uh, Who carried it out? When was it discovered? Tell me everything. Okay, I'm going to start with the easiest question first of how this started. So Optus discovered and stopped the hack on Wednesday afternoon last week when their cybersecurity team noticed suspicious activity with their customer data. And so I think one of the big questions we've had is obviously who carried out this hack? And that is a lot more blurry. So we know that earlier this week, a hacker going by the username of Optus Data 
posted to a forum taking credit for the hack, but we don't know anything else about them. All we know is their username. And it's been speculated that they might have been acting on behalf of someone else. I mean, obviously that's a pseudonym, so we don't know who this is, but at this stage, that's basically all we know. When that forum post appeared, it was accompanied by the personal data of about 10,000 Optus customers. So it was basically them confirming that they do have these details. Um, And that included details like Medicare numbers, which Optus had previously said wasn't actually included in the hack. So we've since realized that Medicare numbers were. That data has now allegedly been deleted by the hacker. Okay, so that really shows how much this situation is evolving, I guess. What data has Optus conclusively said was exposed? Yeah, we're really finding out new information basically every day. I have a list in front of me of what Optus said was initially included. So it was customers' names, dates of birth, phone numbers and email addresses. And then for some customers, it also included addresses, ID document numbers such as driver's licenses and also passport numbers. It is so concerning to hear you read it out like that. It just really distills how much information we believe has been taken. That is a lot of detail about someone's identity. Yeah, interestingly, TDA spoke to a cybersecurity expert yesterday, Catherine Manstead from ANU, and she said that it's pretty much everything you'd need to put together 100 points of ID, and that means that you could basically spoof someone's identity with all of those identification details, which I think is what makes this hack so dangerous, how much detail was exposed. Another thing that she pointed out to us was that this hack is of serious concern to someone who might be leaving a violent relationship or who has had experiences with stalking in the past. You know, having their data available online could literally be life-threatening for some people. It really could. And, I mean, the list of concerns goes on. How has Optus responded to this? Well, Optus CEO Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin has been in the media, as you can imagine, a fair bit in the past week. She started off by describing the hack as quite sophisticated, which has been largely disputed um, in the days since. But one of her most quoted lines from the last week was that, quote, most customers understand that we, and she's referring to Optus there, are not the villains. But as I said, this has turned out to be quite a contentious point. The government has a slightly different view on the whole situation. They do, and the Minister for Cybersecurity has not really held back in this arena at all. Can you talk me through what Claire O'Neill has said? Yeah, so Claire O'Neill, as you said, she is the Minister for Cybersecurity in Australia, and she has made a few statements, certainly unambiguous about how she's feeling about this situation. She's really challenged Rosmarin's claim that this was a sophisticated hack, And she's described it as quite a basic hack. And she went on to say that Optus has effectively left the window open for data to be stolen. So there's certainly no questions there about where she's placing the blame. And in question time this week, remembering it is a sitting week at the moment, O'Neill called for Optus to provide free credit monitoring to affected customers, which might sound like a lot of words, but basically that means that they would be able to check if their details were used for fraudulent transactions going forward, which Optus has now provided. We'll be back in just a moment, but first, a message from our sponsor. Okay, so I want to zoom back in on the average Optus customer or previous customer like myself who might be stressing about their personal data being stolen. What can you actually do if something like your passport number, for example, has been leaked? 
Well, first of all, you'll need to replace anything that's been leaked. And a lot of those personal documents like passports and driver's licenses cost money to replace. And obviously, the next question is who's going to pay for that? So in New South Wales, the state government will give you a replacement digital driver's license and has said that Optus may be held to reimburse the cost of replacing your physical license. And then in other states like South Australia, Queensland and Victoria, they have also said that replacement licenses will be reimbursed and then other states and territories are working out agreements as well. And if you want to replace your passport right now, you'll be paying out of pocket, it looks like, at the moment. The Australian Passport Office's website says, quote, we charge fees to cover the cost of a new passport. We weren't responsible for the data breach. Some shadow ministers, so people from the opposition, have released a statement calling for the government to issue free replacement passports to victims of the breach. So we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks. A lot of that sounds like a lot of personal responsibility for the individual to take. Are there any other steps that people affected by the hack can actually take? Will there be legal ramifications, for example? So there's one big development here on the legal front and that involves Slater and Gordon and they are a huge law firm who really specialise in class action lawsuits which is where a group of people sue a person or organisation that has harmed them collectively. Now, Slater and Gordon have announced that they are investigating a potential class action lawsuit on behalf of people affected by the breach. So that might involve you, Zara, as a former customer. And if successful, that could potentially see Optus paying people who lost ID documents and data in the hack. I mean, for me, it's interesting because I'm pretty sure, given that I can't remember, I must have been a customer over seven to ten years ago. And so all of my personal documents would have actually changed. So that puts me in an interesting position where they've taken my data, but I don't think that it's actually the most accurate data. But um, Probably puts you in a lucky position. I know, and I know that many others aren't in that position. So it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out. It's certainly not looking good for Optus. uh, And there's, there's a lot of saving face that's going on. It's a very good example of crisis communications and how that plays out certainly in the media too. I can imagine a lot of people in PR classes right now yes, a lot. are writing their essays on this. A lot. Thank you for joining us on The Daily Oz. If you learnt something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so that there is a TDA episode waiting for you every weekday morning. We'll be back again tomorrow, but until then, have a fabulous Thursday.